Welcome back to another edition of the Designated for Assignment podcast. Rob Wong, Josh Goldberg with you. As always, you can find us on Twitter at DFA underscore pod, at Rob Wong 34 and at Goldberg 12 It's been uh, quite a while since we've had a podcast. Oh, Josh, uh, got married a couple of weeks ago and then uh, landed on the COVID IL the following week, which is why we have not had a podcast out for uh, several weeks at this point. And I guess we uh, come back at a very interesting time for the Toronto Blue Jays as they go two and four on a road trip in Chicago and Milwaukee getting set for a massive, massive week where they will play the Red Sox three times and then they will play the Tampa Bay Rays five times in four days in what feels like a bit of a make or break week, uh, mm-hmm. potentially for the Blue Jays in this wild card race. We'll get into that coming up later in the show. Of course, we'll get to, to your listener questions and we'll talk about Arte Oscars, our player of the week. I think it might be pretty obvious who our player of the week is. Heck, he's been the player of the month for this Blue Jays team. But we got to talk about the negatives so far that's uh, surrounding this ball club right now. And that has been the pitching, Josh, the offense haven't been too many gripes. They've been the best offense in all of major league baseball in the month of June, but uh, the pitching has definitely let them down. And most notably a couple of their starters. And we saw it again on Sunday, Jose Barrios with back-to-back outings now, which uh, have not been particularly good, got roughed up in Chicago and then he got roughed up in Milwaukee against the Brewers. And of course we saw on Saturday, Yusei Kikuchi continuing his run of uh, awful starts as well. At this point, I mean, we'll get to Kikuchi in a moment. I guess we'll start with Barrios, Josh. You kind of have to keep throwing these guys out there, I think, uh, especially with, you know, Jose Barrios. Kind of similar to Yusei Kikuchi in that it looked like he had turned a corner and it looked like they had figured something out. But now he's got back-to-back starts where the wheels fell off once again and uh, Pete Walker has to uh, get the glue gun out, get out all the tools and try to figure out how to put Jose Barrios uh, back together again but uh man two guys in your rotation right now that you almost want to say they're untrustworthy right you just do not know what you're going to get right now when jose barrios and you say kikuchi step on a mount yeah it's ugly really ugly and you know as much as pete walker deserved a lot of credit for what happened last year with steven matt and obviously robbie ray winning the cy young it hasn't been a great year for the pete walker wizard narrative you know kevin gosman i think it's just he is who he is i i don't think you know pete walker is really doing that much to alter with the mix that led to success over the past couple of years and then kikuchi was the big project and everyone talked about well they signed mid-march condensed spring it was going to be a project it was going to be a project and it's been i think worse than anyone could have expected outside of that, whatever it was four ish uh, start stretch in the month of May, he's been an unmitigated disaster. He's been awful and you can't trust him right now. And it'd be criminal if he makes his next start in the rotation, which I think would line up uh, Friday sometime during the, that uh, Ray series. And those are important games. And he's just, he, he can't, you can't give him the benefit of the doubt right now, but the issue right now for the Blue Jays is, you know, a lot of people will say, "Well, send those guys down to AAA." It's not that easy, you know. Like Kikuchi would have to accept an assignment, and uh, who knows what would go on there. Who's starting ball games if not for him? Brios is not going anywhere, so just cut that out right now. He's going to continue to start. He's going to have to figure it out on the fly. 
Max Castillo looked good uh, yesterday against Milwaukee. That is something I don't have that much confidence that Max Castillo can get major league hitters out, especially lefties consistently a couple times through an order, but sure. Give him a shot. You know, Thomas Hatch is, we've seen it here at the major league level. It's been inconsistent at best and he hasn't been tearing uh, the world apart in, in triple a as well. The organizationally, it's not, a real strong situation. Casey Lawrence, no, thank you. You know, you, you talk about the depth was going to be better this year. Ryu gets hurt and a couple of guys are shitting the bed time after time. That really throws a fly in the ointment of your depth. And I think the, the only realistic course of action is these guys figuring it out or you make a trade because I just don't think that any of the in-house options right now, like you could say, Oh, we'll call up Ricky Tiedemann. no, that's not going to happen. That's just not going to happen. Maybe it should. I don't think it should, but it's just not realistic. It's not going to happen. So I think you have to make a deal realistically or just hope like hell that the adjustments can can uh, be figured out here in Barrios and Barrios and Kikuchi can be obviously not just better, but consistently better. It's one thing if you do it two times in a row. You have to do this more often than not. And then you can't have a three-start stretch where you're good and then another three-start stretch where you're torpedoing the entire team, you're torpedoing the bullpen, and you're pitching like absolute shit. It, it just can't happen. It's just not a sustainable model. And there are no easy answers, I think, is is really the, the situation here. Like, you can try and make trades. Trades are, are not that easy to make, and it's not a guarantee that it'll work out. And it's not a, far from a guarantee that these guys will figure it out. So Blue Jays are kind of in one of those uh, caught between a rock and a hard place situations right now with a couple of guys in the rotation. Yeah, and the tough part here, too, is it's not as if you have an off day this week where maybe you could skip a start. I mean, you need these guys to go out there and pitch in these ball games. And I guess maybe at the very least, what you could have done is not let these guys pitch on back-to-back days because the Blue Jays' bullpen obviously got you know ravaged in Milwaukee because both of these guys were not able to give them anything remotely close to a uh, quality start. So uh, we saw you know Charlie Montoyo and Pete Walker really scratching their heads trying to figure out how to patch these ball games uh, together on Saturday and uh, Sunday. But as, as he touched on, I mean, Barrios, he's not going anywhere. Uh, the velocity is fine. It's not as if he's, you know, injured. He's just suddenly lost it again after finding it for about three starts there. And yeah, overall on the season, it's been uh, pretty awful for the, the most part, arguably um, just some of the worst outings we've ever seen, I think, in his entire career. I think you put out the tweet that, uh, you know, prior to this season, he had like not very, uh, very often, you know, not made it out of the third inning. And it's happened, what, three times already yeah. uh, this season. So like that just goes to show you how, uh, bad he has been uh, this season. But with regards to Yusei Kikuchi, I, I think it's because he had such a strong May that, you know, there's belief uh, within this front office, within this coaching staff, that there's something there. And it's hard not to feel that way, right? If you're, you know, seeing the work he's putting in internally, you're seeing what he did in May. Now we see it all the time. I mean, guys go on hot stretches and then go cold all of a sudden. We've seen it uh, time and time again. 
But the Blue Jays made a commitment here for three years with Yusei Kikuchi. They are not throwing him by the wayside in June, despite how bad it has been. You know, maybe it's a case where he has to go on a phantom, you know, IL stint, and then they have to look at a potential replacement. Like you said, maybe it's a Casey Lawrence, maybe Max Castillo gets a bit of a run here uh, with uh, Kikuchi. Uh, Kikuchi potentially missing uh, a start here just to give himself a bit of a refresh. But uh, yeah, the options aren't great outside of making a trade and we are getting closer to the trade deadline. And this is that time of year where, you know, teams start pulling the trigger on some deals. So, you know, if you're the blue Jays, maybe you don't love the prices that you would have to pay at this point. Cause we're still, you know, a month and a bit away from the deadline. But as we touched on, this is such a crucial week with Boston and Tampa Bay coming up. It's not as if you can just let it play out and whatever happens, happens. Um, you know, maybe you have to make something here uh, and get it done in order to give your club a bit of a boost on the pitching side of things. But uh, yeah, the starting pitching with regards to Kikuchi and Barrios has not been great, but uh, the bullpen has uh, not been particularly good as well. Coming into Sunday's game, they had a 495 ERA in the month of June, which I believe was uh, fifth worst in the major leagues for this month. And, Maybe it's a case where, you know, things have finally caught up with a lot of these guys, Josh. They got so overworked um, at times at the beginning of the year. You know, Tim Mays has had a bit of a rough go of late. Uh, Jordan Romano, for whatever reason, has been awful on the road this year. He's been spectacular at home, uh, but he's been not very good away from Rogers Center. Uh, We obviously have seen injuries to guys like uh, Julian Merriweather, but you just look at some of the options that they're using right now and nothing against Matt Gage and nothing against – you know, Jeremy Beasley, uh, but these guys are getting a lot of run uh, right now. Max Castillo had to throw a bunch of innings as well and was great against the Brewers. But just overall, um, you know, whether it's David Phelps or Adam Simber, I mean, Trevor Richards has been a train wreck all season long. Yeah, yep. I mean, there aren't a ton of guys in this pen right now that you feel super comfortable with no. when they get put into any situation. I mean, even Jordan Romano coming in for that save against the White Sox and then he blew it with two outs and you're thinking like, if I can't trust Jordan Romano here, I mean, where do I feel comfortable with him? I guess outside of pitching at Rogers centers, we touched on his home road splits, but yeah, if there's an area where I think this team needs a big time injection, it has to be the bullpen Um, just to at least to give them a break uh, as opposed to, you know, really giving them any sort of a chance. It's just to give them a breather because these guys feel incredibly overworked at this point. Yeah. And a, a lot of people were looking and circling and pointing and hoping that Nate Pearson would step in and be that guy. And he's got a lot of injury and I would be very surprised if Nate Pearson pitches again this season, just another disastrous, awful year for him. No luck. He's always hurt. It's brutal. It's just, it's brutal. I don't really know what else to say about it. I don't know what you do I, I with Nate Pearson. You're not going to trade him because his value is in the toilet and I think you just have to hope that you can figure it out. He can stay healthy. And I don't know. It's a real, real bad spot to be in. Bullpen's brutal. I I said this uh, the other day when they were finding a way somehow, it seemed to let the White Sox back into a game that they were leading by, you know, seven runs or whatever it was. The tying run came to the plate with the bases loaded in the eighth inning. There's just, there's Romano, I guess I, I, I would still say I trust, but not, to the same degree that I did early in the season. He's just, if his fastball is not good, he is bad. Like if he, you can tell pretty quickly, if there's not that late kind of life on his fastball, he was getting those swing and misses like we saw with judge last week up in the zone, then he's going to be bad because his slider just hasn't been very good consistently this year. And he's thrown a lot of fastballs and then he throw, he's thrown a lot of non-competitive sliders. 
but he's still somebody that you more often than not feel good about. Otherwise, it's oh boy, it's a smorgasbord of of garbage. Jimmy right Garcia. Now. I mean, that's maybe the he's other hurt. guy. Yeah, yeah, and he's hurt, he's hurt now. Right? It's brutal. It, it's just it's brutal. I I don't really know what what else to say. Uh, and maybe it is guys being taxed a little bit, but I think we knew coming into the season that there just wasn't going to be enough swing and miss. There weren't enough guys. We've been talking about this for a couple of weeks. Not enough strikeouts, not enough easy outs. Like Trent Thornton has been good this year and, and has stood out in the bullpen. And what does that tell you about the overall state of affairs of your bullpen? That Trent Thornton's making a positive impression in that regard. He's not overpowering or anything. He's just finding a way to get it done. They need a couple of arms. And I know that they acquired a few last year. Right? Like think about, I guess they kind of acquired four and Richards and Simber and uh, you know, Voldemort, Brad Hand, and Joaquin Soria, they need to follow a similar trajectory this year. They probably need three or four bullpen arms. I don't know if they're going to be able to pull that off because every team wants bullpen arms, but it can't be any more of the, this guy kind of nibbles on the edges and called strikes and this gas. You need guys who can come in and just blow guys away. And maybe that they'll be unpredictable. There could be some blowups in there because you never know uh, with velocity, especially good velocity and good strikeouts in the bullpen. Teams don't generally want to trade those guys unless they're getting a King's ransom. So if you're going to take a shot on certain types who might have, you know, good stuff, but it hasn't been harnessed. I'm okay with that, but you have to be prepared for the possibility that it might not work out. Like Daniel Bard, I think is the ideal fit for the Blue Jays. You look at his numbers. He's been dominant pitching and leverage. You need a couple of D Daniel Bards though, or Daniel Bard types, because one is not going to be enough, especially if the starting pitching isn't good. It all kind of bleeds into it, into each other. If the starting pitching stinks and then the, the bullpen has to put more fires out or come into ball games earlier, but you don't have enough guys to pitch in big spots and get easy outs, then you're just, it's, you're swimming upstream. You're fighting an uphill battle. Again, it's a very difficult uh, right now, pitching wise. Like uh, you just have to find a way to, to get better internally, externally, both. It just has to be better. Yeah. Well, I know our pal Kayla McGrath uh, wrote an article just a few days ago about some trade targets that the Blue Jays could look at. Uh, I joked that it felt like the article was written specifically for you. Uh, a little too on the nose as well with yeah. the David Bednar uh, cover photo for that uh, article. Then he shit the bed against the race. Yeah, so he'd fit right in here. <laughs> that is a perfect fit. Make David Bednar happen. You could come in and blow saves against the race. It's like he was born to be a blue Jay. Yeah, absolutely. Perfect fit uh, for David Bednar and the blue Jays. But, you know, you touched on one of the names there, Daniel Bard, she mentions, uh, you know, Michael Fulmer, Alex Colomay, David Robertson, uh, da you know, Daniel Bard, Ken Giles, like these are the options out there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think Daniel Bard would be a great fit. You know, David Robertson is a guy I keep, you know, banging the drum for, but you know, David Bednar also a solid option, but outside of that, I mean, the other names that I mentioned, whether it's an Alex Colomay, you know, Anthony Bass is someone that uh, Kalen mentions and we saw him with the Blue Jays a couple of seasons ago. It's kind of in line with what they already have, right? Like you talked about it. They need gas. They need guys with um, swing and miss and Bard and Robertson and Bednar definitely, you know, provide a lot of that, but outside of, you know, those specific players, I mean, there's not a ton of guys that are, you know, as I've kind of coined them, there's not a ton of mutants out there, yeah, no, right? Like no there's mutants. not a ton of guys yeah. out there that are just bringing it 99, 100. Yeah. Cause you look at this blue Jays pen and, you know, maybe this is like the old school, 
uh, baseball fan coming out in me. Like, I think there is something to having guys that are, you know, just uncomfortable at bats uh, when you're in the box. And, you know, Adam Simber is an uncomfortable at bat in the sense that he throws from a funky arm angle, but he's not making anyone, you know, you know, shaking their boots, uh, trying to swing and miss at some of these pitches. You know, really the only guy when he's at his best is Jordan Romano, where Mm -hmm. you feel like when he's hitting, you know, 98, 99, okay, guys are up there looking a little bit uncomfortable, but you know, nobody's scared of a David Phelps cutter, you know, Jimmy Garcia, we've seen it from time to time where he can get some swing and miss, but you know, Trent Thornton's not a scary guy. Tim Mays is not a scary guy. You know, these, these are what the options that the Blue Jays have at this point. And they just need more guys that can come in there, hit 99, hit a hundred, give us a nasty breaking ball, just get whiffs, get some swings and misses. Uh, That's really the biggest thing. So, you know, there's a few options that we touched on there, but as you said, other teams are going to be looking at these uh, players as well. So it just feels, I don't want to say unlikely because, you know, as you said, the Blue Jays last year did go out and get, um, you know, some bullpen arms, but I think historically we've seen them kind of hesitant to pay big time prices for relievers. You know, they tend to like to shop uh, in the bargain bin for a lot of guys. Now they did, you know, try to go after uh, Liam Hendricks a couple of years ago. So it's not that they're completely, um, you know, uh, not fans of shopping in the high end aisle. Uh, But for the most part, you know, they tend to uh, look at some options that are a little bit cheaper that uh, they think could come in here and get outs because getting outs is the name of the game. Don't get me wrong, but uh, this team just does not have enough guys right now that can seemingly get outs uh, in the bullpen. Everybody is just uh, on a downswing right now for the most part with regards to the pen. So hopefully uh, by the time this podcast ends, Mick, heck, maybe the Blue Jays made a trade while we're uh, talking right now because that tends to be what happens, that uh, things happen when people record podcasts. But uh, for the love of God, Ross Atkins, please do something over the next week to uh, help out this bullpen or this pitching staff. But we move from the negative. We remove uh, ourselves from the bad to talk about the good. And uh, as we said before, the offense has been absolutely on fire this month. The best offense in all of Major League Baseball for the month of June. And uh, one of the big catalysts has been Alejandro Kirk, who has been just on an absolute tear this month with a WRC plus over 200, hit another home run in the series finale against Milwaukee. It was the only runs that the Blue Jays scored in that game. But uh, funny that uh, just, uh, what, a week ago, Josh, we're all kind of laughing and chuckling, uh, at least about Alejandro leading uh, all of baseball in voting for the AL uh, catcher position for the upcoming All-Star game. And then he goes out there and just has another ridiculous week, kind of cementing the fact that, uh, yeah, he should be in that spot right now with over a million votes. And is arguably the best hitting catcher in all of baseball right now, which uh, I never thought would have been a conversation with uh, Alejandro Kirk, who, you know, has obviously shown the ability to put bat on ball and, you know, a guy that can hit for average and show the occasional pop. But uh, right now he is what sixth, I think in OPS in the American league. Like that's how good he has been this season. Well, it's just, it's even more insane because you remember like early in the season, how long did it, was it before he had an extra base hit? It was a while. Like they get like one, was it May whole month? Yeah. Yeah. It was crazy. It was like either late April or into May and everyone was just like, Oh, well, he's still, you know, he works a walk and he's a slap hitter. And since then, I think he has 20 extra base hits since his first, he's got 10 home runs. And I believe he also has 10 doubles and you look at it. He never strikes out like Devin Williams got him with that airbender change up on Saturday. You tip your cap. That guy's a, you want to talk about a mutant. That guy's a freak of nature. So I I don't have an issue with 
uh, with that. And he's striking out less than he's walking. Like it's just, he has the same kind of plate coverage as Jose Ramirez, who is, you know, we've talked about many times in an, an incredible offensive player. It's, it's bananas how good he's been. They signed him for what? 30 K out of Mexico. He's got this fire hydrant, uh, frame and he's been good defensively as well. Like uh, his framing has been better. He's thrown out some base runners that uh, pick play at first with Vladdy has, has paid dividends a couple of times. What's not to like, he, I think he's right now, probably the best catcher in baseball all around. And obviously a lot of it is propped up by the offense, but he's been no slouch defensively as well. Coming into today, he was almost worth three wins according to fan graphs. And after they updated it, it'll probably be close to three with the home run ludicrous like he could he's probably he's on pace to have the best season of a blue jays catcher ever in franchise history better than russell martin a couple years ago ernie witt was on that list as well you run out of superlatives it's just like honestly it's dumbfounding how good he's been he's been their best player for Mm. large stretches of the season and that's both i guess a good thing and a bad thing maybe you'd want your your high not even high price, but just your, your notable stars, your headliners to do more of that. But you would think that once those guys get going more or more consistent, we're sort of seeing it certainly in the month of June. And that's why the offense has been so much better is because the, the bats have been better. There's been less chase out of the zone as we saw early in the season, more patience, more waiting for a mistake and punishing it. And it seems like Kirk sort of sets the tone because that's his, that's the name of his game. He never is uncomfortable. His vision is incredible. His discipline is incredible. And he waits for his pitch and he puts a good swing on it more often than not. And it seems like it in some way could be infectious to the rest of the lineup. Yeah. And obviously there was a lot of trade chatter, you know, early on in this season, do you move Alejandro Kirk as Danny Jansen was swinging a hot bat? You've got Gabby Moreno, you know, coming up through the ranks. What do you do with Kirk? Is he the odd man out? And, you know, I think we talked about it even on the last podcast, like three weeks ago, you can't move him, right? Like it just doesn't make sense to uh, trade Alejandro Kirk for anything. I mean, even what would you move him at this point that would make you feel better? Like he's performing at such a high level okay, sure, maybe in a vacuum, if you could deal for Juan Soto, it optimizes your lineup a little bit bit better. But guess what? Alejandro Kirk's hitting better than Juan Soto at this point. So, like, Mm -hmm. you know, if we're looking at results and we're looking at production, does that really help you at all? No, no, it doesn't. So, like, I'm not sure, you know, there's even anything out there unless you're getting, you know, two bonafide all-stars that can help your lineup right now or help your lineup and your pitching staff that you're even moving this guy. So, yeah, eh, let's put that conversation to bed uh, immediately. You're not trading Alejandro Kirk. And I don't even know if you're trading any of the other catchers at this point. As great as Gabby uh, Moreno has been, like, just watching that guy play, it's pretty evident that he's going to be a very good major league player. Not saying he's going to be an all-star by any means, but you know, that ability that he has to throw runners out, we see how fast he can run. You know, we talk about Alejandro Kirk's ability to put the bat on the ball. This is another guy that just doesn't strike out and has a two strike approach and can just drop hits seemingly um, at will. And Danny Jansen, who's having a career season when he's healthy and on the field, that guy has a place on this team too. And You know, I know there's been a lot of conversation the last couple of days. You know, what does Danny Jansen mean to this pitching staff? You know, people trying to throw out catcher's ERA with Jansen behind the plate as opposed to Kirk and Moreno. And I don't know if there's necessarily something to that. Mm -hmm. Um, But just in general, like he has been great this year when he's been healthy. So, you know, is that a guy I'm moving midseason? Probably not. Maybe that's a conversation when the season is over and the Blue Jays reassess what they have behind the plate. But 
Yeah, I think it is a possibility that, you know, at least for the next little while, uh, when Danny Jansen comes back, you may carry three catchers and, you know, find a way to play all of these guys because I, I get the whole, you know, Gabby Moreno needs to play more and he needs to, you know, maybe he needs to go down to AAA and play five, four or five times a week as opposed to, as opposed to just some, you know, a couple of starts here and there. But the Blue Jays are trying to win ball games, And I think the reality mm-hmm. is this team is better when he's on the team. And if you can find a way to get him in there, uh, even if it's just a couple of times to give Jansen or Kirk a bit of a break, I just think your lineup is more uh, optimized that way, having someone that can actually give you a hit as opposed to, you know, no, no offense to Zach Collins. He had his little run there, but I don't know if he's necessarily um, a great fit here uh, just yeah. as a lefty bat off the bench. Like I'd rather have Gabby Moreno swinging a bat in a pinch hit situation than Zach Collins. Um, but yeah, I think that'll be interesting to see uh, what happens uh, when Jansen is able to come back with uh, which direction they decide to go. Yeah. I think carrying three catchers is the most likely scenario, at least to start because, you know, I've been on the, well, Moreno should play regularly down there. And I, I do think that as great as his pop time is and his throws are to second base, there have been some, he's a young kid, so I'm not really, I don't think it should be that much of a criticism. There have been points where I haven't, I've noticed, you know, sometimes I could just, I'm sure communication wise, you're still getting on the same page with your pitchers. There've been some, you know, situations where maybe a more veteran presence behind the plate, you know, has a better game in terms of calling it, that sort of thing, strikes as balls, balls as strikes, that sort of thing but he has struck out twice in like 30 plate appearances. I understand you could say, well, there's no power His only extra base hit is a hustle double. I think that that will come, but he covers the plate. He has great vision as well. Discipline sort of similar to Kirk doesn't really swing out of his shoe tops or anything like that. And I, I do agree that when he's in the lineup, when that bats in the lineup, you're harder to pitch to and you're better. And like, if that's the name of the game and we've said that from the inception of this podcast is this season was only focused on wins and putting yourself in the best possible position to win as many games as you can uh, to make the playoffs. I think he does that for you right now. It helps you accomplish that. And I'll be curious how much Danny Jansen plays when he comes back. I'd still like to see him catching primarily Kirk should catch as well, but it's tough. It's like you, you play six times a week. So do they each catch twice? Does anyone get in a rhythm? Is it Jansen three times Kirk twice Moreno once, and then you sprinkle in DHS. It's one of those good problems to have because they're all good players. You figure it out, but it's not ideal from a roster lineup configuration to have all three capable of playing and not having you know, enough roster spots for them. So I will be very fascinated and interested to see how the Blue Jays figure out a way to make it all work if they do decide to go that route with three catchers. Yeah, and as the saying goes, you know, these things tend to work themselves out and they really do. I mean, maybe, you know, knock on wood, no one gets injured over the next uh, couple of weeks here as Jansen works his way back. But, you know, maybe Gabby Moreno starts to slow down offensively uh, and the Blue Jays decide, you know what, maybe it's a little early here. Um, he's had some good moments, but, uh, you know, we'd rather have Danny Jansen and uh, Alejandro Kirk as our uh, two catchers at the major league level. And Moreno can go back down and just uh, play full time and get uh, a lot more ABs to uh, continue his development down in the minors. Uh, speaking of some other guys that have been swinging hot bats in the month of June, Teoscar Hernandez, Matt Chapman, and uh, lo and behold, Lourdes, uh, Lourdes Gurriel Jr., who uh, every June finds a way to just figure it out 
all of a sudden, all three of those guys have been uh, swinging great bats this month and have really elevated this uh, offense. You know, I, I was thinking about it today and even yesterday. And, you know, I know Rymel Tapia has had a, a good month here in June. And I get that the Blue Jays don't want to go, you know, back-to-back lefties when him and Kevin Biggio are in the lineup. And, and we'll get to Biggio as well as he has uh, performed pretty well since returning. But I don't love the idea of Matt Chapman and Lourdes Gurriel Jr. batting seventh and eighth in this lineup mm-hmm. with either Espinal or Tapia batting sixth. Like, yeah, there's obviously a reason behind it. And, you know, the Blue Jays, you know, uh, as I said, this offense has been great. So I'm kind of nitpicking here because those guys have performed in the seventh and eighth spots. But when those guys are going hot, you want them to get as many ABs as possible. And maybe mm-hmm. it's so minuscule moving them up, but. You know, you look at today's ball game in the series finale, Espinal comes up in a spot there where the Blue Jays are trailing runners at first and second. I know he had two hits earlier in the game, but he grounds into a double play. He's not had a great month here. Um, he's been hitting a lot of ground balls. He's been hitting into a lot of gr- uh, double plays. Like that'd yeah. be a nice spot for a Matt Chapman or a Lourdes Gurriel Jr. to come up yeah. in, right? Like I sort of nitpicking here because I said the offense has been great, but that's kind of how I'm viewing this right now where, you know, when these guys are great, you want them hitting higher up in the lineup in run producing spots when they're struggling yeah. and they're cool by all means, bat them seventh and eighth. You can't bat them any higher because of who's batting ahead of them. You're not batting them over Teoscar or Kirk or Vladdy or, you know, Bo or Springer. So I get why they're down there, but the blue Jays seem to, you know, really want to split up all these righties with someone in the middle there that can give them a, a lefty at bat, or, you know, I don't know why they put Espinal in there today. That kind of was a bit of a head scratcher, but just I, I'm always in the mindset of go with your best, uh, no matter what. And, you know, Chapman and, and Lourdes are swinging hot bats right now. They have been for a while. It's not like it's been a week. It's been uh, several weeks, if not a month at this point. So uh, maybe I'm just uh, nitpicking and just trying to find, you know, some faults with an offense that has been so prolific this month. But uh, give me more Chappie and give me more Lourdes at bats, please. Yeah, well, more than anything, give me, and I'm with you, more at-bats with runners on base. Those guys can drive in runners. If your top four or five are on base or, um, you know, just in you have run-scoring situations, uh, yeah, I'd rather have the threat of Chapman hitting a two- or three-run homer or Lourdes hitting a two-run single or two-run double. I understand Espinal has been great, no question about it, but, you know, that's not – he was never – to me, this bat first or offensively inclined player. He had a real hot stretch and has cooled off. He's probably somewhere in between. I think he's a good, really good bottom third of the order hitter. His contact skills are good. I think he works down there. Tappy, I know, has been better and his barrel increase. I saw Eno Saris of the Athletic have a list of who's increased their barrel percentage most this season. And he was, I think, inside the top 10 or maybe 10th in all of Major League Baseball. Hasn't necessarily paid dividends but he has squared a lot of balls up that have probably resulted in, in outs, you know, fly outs, line outs, that sort of thing. So he hasn't been this unmitigated disaster that I think a lot of people want to portray him as he is an unmitigated disaster defensively, but that's neither, you know, here nor there, but yeah, I want my best hitters hitting as high in the lineup as possible with opportunities to drive in runs. And nobody is going to argue that Rymel Tapia or Santiago Espinal are better hitters, run producers than Lourdes Gurriel Jr., who is blistering hot right now, like always in June. And Chapman, those are guys who have a proven track record of legitimate, above-average offensive success as Major League Baseball players, as hitters. I want those guys in more premium positions, simple as that. And 
it could just be a case of trying to get too cute a little bit with the lineup. And, and like you said, we're splitting hairs here because they have been producing, but you always want it to be as optimal as possible. And I think we can both agree that those guys batting seventh and eighth is not as optimal as it can be in terms of the alignment of the order. I, I don't want to keep going on this, but I would just like to know, like what, what is the benefit of having Espinal sixth there mm-hmm. ahead of those two guys? Like I, I've been trying to wrap my hand around it. Cause as you said, those guys, you know, Chapman can hit a three run Homer. Lourdes can hit a two run double. Like, yeah, optimally uh, with Espinal, you're hoping that he can, you know, jack one out, but uh, you know, most likely you're going to get a single to move the runners up. You know, Clyde's not scoring from second there, most likely on a single to the outfield. So, you know, to have Chapman or Lourdes coming up and those guys with extra base pop, uh, it just seems to make a little bit more sense, but yeah. uh, we'll see what happens this week uh, with regards to the lineup. Uh, let's spend a couple of minutes here on uh, Kevin Biggio, who uh, we have not had a ton of great things to talk about for the most part the last couple of years but uh, right now he is just absolutely on fire got a a wrc plus coming into sunday's action of 172 in the month of june and 17 games played you are the resident cabin biggio stan he uh, is on fire right now if we're talking about who's uh you know maybe should be getting the majority of bets at second base right now biggio's got a case with how hot he has been going well what are you seeing from cabin and are you buying it is there a legitimate change here with uh, regards to his approach and not saying he's going to be a 170 wrc plus guy for the rest of the year but uh, maybe he has uh, made some adjustments here and found his way back to where he was at least a couple of years ago well i would say i'm buying but like i'm not throwing my life savings behind it because (sighs) I think that there is some encouraging stuff here. He is hitting the ball harder and there is more. He just, he looks better in the box. And I heard on the broadcast the other night, he was talking uh, like, obviously it's good to have a a hall of fame father who you can bounce ideas off of and talked about, you know, maybe the, the positioning of his bat and trying to load more and be able to, you know, have more balance and, and swing path being better. And I do think that there is something to that uh, of late his, his discipline, his vision is always going to be there. Like he's always going to be able to work walks, but early in the season, he was still walk, working walks, but he just, he wasn't doing anything else. And now he's doing a little bit of everything. And like, I think that he has value on this team. I don't know if he's a, an everyday type player, but I do think that there is value in his ability. Like we've seen him at first, we've seen him at second. He can play the outfield. He's not a plus defender really anywhere. He's not a complete liability. I've actually been somewhat pleasantly surprised with him at first base. And I think he's a perfectly acceptable second baseman isn't great in the outfield, but that's only, I think more in a pinch. I I do think like, he's the kind of guy actually that I'd be curious what other teams look at him as he's not young per se, but he's certainly not old. Yeah. You know, on the upswing team that is trying to work its way back to contention may look at Kevin Biggio and say, we give him every day at bats. Maybe there's a, you know, a quality player in there. Maybe there is something to be said for, him being a potential trade chip, but if he's on this ball club, I think there's value in him playing a couple times a week. The lefty in a heavy right-handed lineup, I think has value as well. And I do think that when he's at his best, his skill set is very important uh, to help the Blue Jays. And right now we're seeing him more so at his best than we have in a while. Very encouraging to see, but I'm not going to just you know, throw my weight behind it and say that this is who he is now. I think that there probably are going to be some some bumps in the road, 
but I, it's good to see that he was able to get it going a little bit because it looked for a time like he had just lost it. And, and clearly that wasn't the case. Yeah. And as you said, the adjustments that he has made have paid off so far since uh, coming back from Buffalo uh, when he was rehabbing there with uh, just the injuries that have piled up over the last couple of years. And he's healthy again, which I think uh, is very, very good. That helps when your body's not in pain every time you uh, step onto a field and uh, try to do something positive. So, yeah, maybe he'll uh, never get back to where he was a couple of seasons ago when he first burst onto the scene and it felt like this guy was going to be, you know, a big part of this core uh, moving forward. But uh, there is utility here and uh, that ability to draw a walk, that ability to play a couple of positions definitely is valuable as a bench piece on this team. So maybe not an everyday player, but uh, someone that can come in in a pinch and uh, give the Blue Jays some valuable innings when they need them let's uh, get to the listener questions as always you can reach us at dfa underscore pod you can also reach us on our uh, own personal accounts at rob wong 34 at j goldberg 12 simon tweets us does the fact that the al east title is almost out of reach change your focus at the deadline does a focus on the wild card series roster team lead to more being laid out on relievers and uh, less on starters well yeah come uh, a wild card series where you've got three games uh, starters are going to be less important because you only need three you're definitely going to need bullpen but uh, as you know we talked off the top with how competitive this division is right now where you've now got the goddamn red Sox ahead of you in the standings who yeah. i just want to say as a quick aside you know we're going to see boston here in the next three days so we're going to get a sense of you know how good they actually are and you know you got to give them kudos give them credit They've won a lot of games over the last month and, you know, you have to win against the teams that you're playing, but they haven't exactly been playing, you know, a murderous row of teams. Like it's been Oakland and Seattle, Detroit, like it's been some pretty shitty teams yeah. that they've gotten to feast on. So that's not to say that they're you know going to come in Toronto and get swept by the Blue Jays, but you know, the schedule has worked very much in their favor uh, over the last month for them to get back to where they are now ahead of the Blue Jays in the standings. But, you know, the Rays just a half game back, I think, to the Blue Jays now uh, in the division and uh, in the wild card. So, yeah, the, the title for the division definitely out of reach for the Blue Jays and heck, even the Red Sox and the Rays at this point, barring just the most epic collapse of all time by the New York Yankees. But it's really for me the bullpen. Uh, you know, I think Barrios is going to figure it out. So, as it stands right now, you've got three fifths of the bullpen or the starting rotation you feel confident in with Manoa. Gosman has seemingly turned it around and Ross Stripling has been uh, fantastic. But uh, get some goddamn arms in that pen because yeah. uh, you're not even just going to need them come September and October. You're going to need them now to get to a playoff position because uh, this bullpen, with the way they're going right now, is not going to make it to like August if they continue to pitch this way. Yeah. And like, I, I think that you could use a starter as well. Cause you, you have to make the playoffs and I'm looking at the standings right now. I think the Jays are right now only a game up on not on being in the playoffs. Like I think Cleveland's a game back of them and they'd be out of the playoffs. They're tied with the Rays. They're a game and a half back uh, of Boston. So like the playoffs are not a sure thing. I still think that they're more likely than not, but if you don't make the right moves and kind of stem the tide here, plug some holes, then you bring into reality the possibility of not making the playoffs, which would be an abject failure on, on every level. And you just have to do everything you possibly can to make that happen. You could say, well, this team's not necessarily a World Series 
uh, contender. Who was saying that about the Braves last year? You know, at, at some point, you make the right type of moves. They pick up Soler and they pick up Jock Peters and they make you make the right moves. The team you are at the end of June, beginning of July might not be or probably won't be, shouldn't be the team that you are at the end of September, beginning of October. So with the right moves, I think that you just want to get into the dance, bring your shoes. You know, you might get the right dance partner and you might be able to get the better end of that team in a matchup. So I'll take my chances in the playoffs. Put everything you have into ensuring that you have the best chance, the best roster, the best talent to get to the playoffs. Because I, I think more than any other sport in baseball, there is an element of almost anything can happen in the playoffs. Like bad luck, good luck, everything in between injuries, what have you, can help you win the World Series. But you can't have any of that work for or against you if you don't get to the dance. So the Jays have to figure out a way to do everything that they can to get to the dance. Yeah, I think that's uh, very fair. Just get in there and uh, see what happens. So we see it all the time. You know, the, the best team in baseball doesn't win the World Series every single year. If that was the case, the Dodgers would have like six World Series championships yeah. by this point because they were, have been incredible for like the last decade. Uh, and even the Yankees, I mean, as great as they've been, you know, I think uh, you look at, you know, what happened this weekend to them against Houston, right? Like they could have lost all three of those games uh, very easily. They got no hit in one of them. They almost got no hit in the second one. But they come back and win an extras. Like that's just the magical season that's been going on for the Yankees. But just goes to show you uh, in any given series, whether it's a three game series or a seven game series, uh, the best team does not always win. So I uh, got to put yourself in the position to at least have a chance there. And uh, yeah. you got to figure that's what the Blue Jays uh, are going to do. Uh, we got this question from multiple people. We kind of already answered it already, but uh, should the Blue Jays DFA Kikuchi? Uh, no, uh, that's not going to happen. No. And you know, I, I know people have been drawing comparisons to Robbie Ray, um, you know, 2020 when he first came over to the Blue Jays and it was a bit of a mess. You know, I think the only outing that really stood out for a lot of people was the playoffs uh, when Robbie Ray just yeah. dominated the Rays. Um, and then he got a full off season, came back spring training and then did his thing in winning the uh, AL Cy Young Award. And I'm not saying that there's, you know, necessarily a perfect uh, comparison there, but I think, you know, Kikuchi, this is his first spring training with the Blue Jays. They've asked him to do like a lot of different things here to try to right the ship and to try to get him to become the pitcher that they think he can, because that's why they, you know, signed him to a three-year deal. They saw some things that they could work on and he's still a work in progress. And, you know, if the progress was linear, it would have been great to see like every incremental starts. He's getting better. He's getting better. And as we said, we thought that was unlocked maybe, you know, in May when he had a run of, you know, five really good starts. And it wasn't yeah. as, as if it was, you know, smoke and mirrors. You look under the hood with the numbers that he was putting up, like he wasn't walking a ton of guys. He was getting a ton of swing and misses. He was very, very good. And, you know, that, as I said before, gives me hope that there's something there. I'm not saying he's going to be, you know, a three-fip pitcher for like the rest of his career if the Blue Jays figure it out. But you know, I'm not necessarily sure he's the 10 fifth pitcher that uh, he is showing himself to be right now over the last, you know, three, four weeks. Yeah. Well, until he can figure out his fastball, his fucking fastball, it's just I like, oh my God, he's shaking off fastballs for sliders. It's just like, <laughs> what the hell is going on here? And then it's just like, he's, he's beaning guys. He's missing all over the place. Like, I don't know what is going on. Is it between the ears? Something doesn't click 
that a guy who has that powerful fastball from the left side as a starter, it's so rare to have that. Like, what the hell is going on? He also doesn't throw a split change nearly enough for my liking. He's just insistent on throwing that slider, which is not consistently good. When it is good, it's excellent. Like, you can see the path to it being great, but it's just, you're not, you can't be a slider first pitcher as a starting pitcher. It's just not, we've talked about this before. If your fastball is bad, you will be bad, generally speaking. And his fastball is just bad is is it, it not doing it justice it's a whole other category of awful right now and he has no trust in it occasionally throws some good ones but more often than not it's just non-existent and then it just makes everything else so much harder and i don't know what it's going to take to get him back on track but yeah you're not dfaing him and eating 30 plus million dollars like no team would do that. You're going to do everything possible to try and extract some value out of him. And if that means shutting him down with a phantom IL stint for a bit, so be it, but they're not axing him, you know, 15 halfway through his first season, it may end up being a horrendous contract. We're certainly trending in that direction, but they're not going to pull the plug after 15 starts. And I don't think they should. No, it's uh, awful to watch right now. Like, I don't think anybody is uh, excited to see Yusei Kikuchi when he steps on a mound at this point. But let's just give it a little bit more time. Let's let's try to have some patience here for a guy who's clearly trying to work on some things and he's going through it right now. Uh, same with Jose Barrios. Like, uh, this is a guy that has a track record and has performed too well for too long for me to think that all of a sudden he just doesn't have it anymore like we said if he was you know injured or the velocity was like 91 miles an hour on his fastball I'd be like oh god like this is terrifying but he's still you know hitting 96 he's just not putting it anywhere remotely close to where he wants to right now and he's not getting any whiffs which is also bizarre because he's a guy that uh, has you know gotten a above average amount of whiffs for his career um, so it's not great but uh, let's see where things go in uh, a little bit of time here uh, got a good one here from our buddy road guy uh, at DFA underscore pod asks, how much longer is Bo going to skate by without criticism before we accept he's Randall Grinchek? Okay, I, uh, I love Road Guy, but <laughs> Jesus, man. You know, just, come on. Let's I had not to put this one that. out there uh, just because it was too funny. Now, I, 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 I don't I, know if Road Guy is being serious. I think he's um, not. I, I tend to think he's not, but yeah. I did see a lot of people on the Twitter timeline today uh, talking about Bo Bichette because yeah. um, he didn't have a great series outside of the one home run off uh, Corbin Burns, mm-hmm. but there was an error in there. There's a lot of K's. Uh, wasn't great. Now he did have the homer off Lucas Giolito in Chicago as well. And, you know, since May, uh, May 1st, he's been pretty good, right? Mm-hmm. Like he's not been uh, the same Bo Bichette that we saw in April, who was just absolutely horrific uh, as I quickly bring this up here and try to do this on the fly, you know, coming into today's ball game had a 129 WRC plus since May 1st, which is Bo Bichette. That's what yeah. he has been um, for the last three years of his career. He's never going to be a high on base guy. I think like we need to just come to that fact and come to that yeah. reality but, you know, you don't find 129 WRC plus players just walking around, especially, you know, guys that you have a ton of control with that can, you know, give you uh, a pretty good shortstop. Like, I, I still think there's moments where he's not great, 
in that spot, but I don't think that's a conversation we're really having anymore that, you know, Bo Bichette's moving to second base or moving to the outfield and uh, maybe optimally, you know, he'd be a pretty good center fielder. I think he could probably go out there and get it. Um, but, you know, I just think we have to come to grips with what he is. There's going to be moments where he's absolutely yeah. maddening. And then there's going to be moments where he's hitting grand slams off a 2-0 changeup. And you're like, oh my God, this is the greatest fucking player in uh, Blue Jays history. I mm-hmm. love this guy. Why, why do we talk about moving him or, you know, getting rid of him? Like, that's just how he is. He's streaky. He's just a streaky, streaky player. And he's great when he's on. And for the most part, he's usually on. Like, that's that's what he is. Yeah, road guy cracks me up with tweets like that. It, it Like, that, you said it best. He is what he is. Everyone just keeps saying, oh, well, what if he could be more patient? What if he could draw more walks? Drop it. It's not going to happen. Like, if you, even if he, if he could improve his walk rate to like 8%, you would take that and run. It's, I think he's going to be around 6 six and a half, seven, maybe at the most percent strikeout. He's striking out a little bit more this year, strikeout 20 ish percent of the time. He's a bat to ball guy and he's going to have some horrendous at bats. It just is what it is. It's not ideal. It's not in a perfect world. It wouldn't happen, but the numbers are going to be there at the end of the year. He's probably going to flirt with 30 home runs, steal close to 15 bags. RBIs and runs are not necessarily going to be what they were last year where he scored 121 and drove in 102, but he is an above average offensive player. He's an above average player. There are warts defensively, like in a perfect world, if the Jays could sign Trey Turner in the offseason and move Boho, I would do that. But he's fine for now at shortstop. Like I don't have any problem with it. And he's a very good player. And he's not a perfect player, but he's a very good player. Yeah, he's a very, very good player. Uh, and he's homegrown, doesn't cost you anything. He's not going uh, anywhere. You're just going to have to deal with the lows and uh, love the highs when they are uh, going most of the time. Uh, Andy Mack, a uh, regular listener to the podcast, says, why didn't the Blue Jays spend more money in the offseason? It was clear they needed a lefty bat and at least one right-handed pitcher who could, uh, relief pitcher, I should say, who could get whiffs. Kenley, Jock, Schwarber, the list goes on. A payroll that's 11th in Major League Baseball is not good enough in the AL East unless you're very smart like Tampa Bay. Well, you know, I know at least for one of those guys, the Blue Jays tried to get in uh, Kyle Schwarber, yeah. and uh, he ended up going to Philadelphia. Got off to a pretty terrible start, but uh, he has been phenomenal for the, the last month and a bit here, uh, just destroying right-handed pitching. Uh, Kenley Jansen uh, would have been great, but uh, I don't think that was going to happen. You know, Jock Peterson, another guy, I think the Blue Jays probably had some interest in, would have been, you know, very good fitting into uh, this lineup. So, you know, when it comes to the the money, only the Blue Jays know, you know, how much money they have left in the war chest. They obviously, you know, every team saves a little bit in order to make some deals come the trade deadline. So I don't think the Blue Jays are necessarily, you know, uh, I don't want to say capped out because there's no cap, but as far as their internal cap, like I still think there's some wiggle room if it makes sense for them. But, you know, there just comes a point where, you know, the Blue Jays tried to, signed some guys, it didn't work out. And then they weren't just going to overpay people because they had money left. Like that's not a smart way of using your money either uh, in the off season. So, you know, I agree with Andy, uh, as we said before, like would have been nice if the Blue Jays targeted more um, swing and miss relief pitchers this off season and could bring in some of those guys, but they obviously weren't able to meet those prices or get a deal done. And this is kind of where they left themselves that they weren't going to just make moves for making moves because uh, they had a little bit of money left. So hindsight is 2020, you know, wish maybe they could have brought in, tried a little bit harder on a Schwarber or a Jock Peterson or somebody like that. But 
that's why we're talking about the trade deadline now and thinking, you know, maybe there's some opportunity here to, you know, make up for those, I don't want to say mistakes, but make up for those opportunities missed that uh, you had prior to the season. Yeah. Like I, I, I'm not like that bothered by it. Perfect world for sure. I do think that the Jays should be higher than 11th in payroll. I understand that there's, more than maybe meets the eye with the structure of ownership. I, I, I don't give a shit about that. You've spent more money. This is a sprawling metropolis of the city, huge fan base. When the team is good, the revenues are good. So ergo spend money to ensure that the team is good every year. Look at the Yankees. It's a factory. They spend money. They never miss the playoffs. Sure. They haven't won the world series or made it in going on 13 years, but they're always relevant. Jays need to spend money to be relevant, especially in this division. So 11th in payroll is not some uh, disaster, but I do think that they should be closer to the top five. And uh, I don't know if they're going to be. That's not good enough necessarily for me. But I'm also in the camp of don't just spend money to spend money. Make sure you spend money on the right players. Right now, it's not looking great for some of their investments. You know, Kikuchi and Barrios certainly come to mind. But at least in the last couple of years, they have shown they've been prepared to spend. But there's still a lot of work to be done in that regard. Like, you're going to have to lock up some homegrown guys, make some tough decisions, sign some nine-figure deals, while also continuing to make aggressive trades and spend a lot of money in free agency. So just because you have done it a little bit over the last couple of years, doesn't mean that you get some pass that it's like, Oh, well, you know, it didn't work out this time. We'll get them next time. You got to do it every year. That's what makes the Dodgers, the Dodgers and the Yankees, the Yankees. And I think to some extent, the Red Sox, the Red Sox, you, if you want to be on that level, you have to spend closer to that level. Yeah, and you look at all the teams that uh, are up there in the top, you know, 10 of payroll. I mean, the Blue Jays are 11th. You've got the Astros 10, Braves 9, Angels 8, White Sox 7, Red Sox 6, Padres 5, Phillies 4, Yankees 3, Mets 2, and the Dodgers, you know, by and far number one. But, you know, out of all of those teams, I mean, how many of them are like truly abject failures? I mean, it's the Angels that are just cursed. I mean, they sign so much bad money every year. Uh, they're terrible, like perfect again. Otani destroys a home run off Logan Gilbert and everybody's hooting and hollering about how great it is. And the Angels go on to lose that game. Like that's just uh, how they are. But like the White Sox have been up and down this year, but mostly it's because of, you know, injuries. Uh, they were great last season. Uh, the Red Sox, uh, up until this, you know, crazy run they've been on. Uh, we're struggling to begin the year. The Phillies have been up and down. So sure, like payroll does never guarantee you that you're going to have success in the regular season or come playoffs. But like all of those teams ahead of the Blue Jays, like have some sort of relevancy outside of maybe like one or two. So it does, you know, if yeah, outside of the Tampa Bay Rays, um, it is proven that uh, the more money you spend, the more likely you're going to be a competitive team and uh, be in the mix. So, you know, maybe the Blue Jays over the next couple of years can uh, start creeping a little bit closer to the top five. They're never going to be number one like they were in the uh, early 90s. That's just not going to happen. But uh, yeah, payroll, I agree, needs to go up at some point uh, just to help uh, this ball club because they are trying to win a World Series. And, uh, you know, with the 11th best payroll in baseball, you're going to have to get lucky uh, with some homegrown guys. And they definitely have. I mean, Alejandro Kirk, he talked about it, 30K. Now he's the best catcher in all of baseball. So yeah, that helps. Sure. Uh, yeah, they've definitely. got a lot of, you know, strong pitching down in the minors, but uh, that's a couple of years away. So uh, please spend more money ownership to uh, help uh, augment this baseball team. All right, let's wrap things up with uh, our Teoscars player 
of the week. We uh, only have a couple of candidates uh, this week because uh, the Blue Jays pitching has been uh, pretty piss poor. They went two and four on this road trip. They are Alejandro Kirk, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. and Matt Chapman. Those are the uh, three nominees for the Teoscar this week. As I said before, I think it's pretty evident where both of us are going. If it's not Alejandro Kirk as the unanimous winner, uh, we're going to have to have a fight here, I think, yeah. Josh. But uh, Kirk, player of the month, player of the week, player of the year for the uh, Toronto Blue Jays at this point. Yeah, it's a runaway freight train right now, which is kind of what he looks like sometimes when, he, when he's running the bases. So uh, incredible. when Like if he goes first to third or somewhere, second to home. But yeah, you look at, he's just been his last seven games, you know, He's slugging 800. He has four home runs, nine RBI, walked six times, struck out four times. It's just, it's a true pleasure to watch. He's kind of a throwback in some ways, uh, you know, line to line, um, ability to hit power now, bringing the hands and pulling some balls. It's a joy. It's just so great. He's, he's a hero in Toronto. This fan base, he is as beloved as any Blue Jay I can think of in, in recent memory and not just because of, you know, the smile, just everything else because of also what he does on the field. He's a total package and Jay's fans should cherish having him for years to come. Yeah. Well said. Uh, Alejandro Kirk has been just an absolute joy to watch for the 2022 season and uh, can't wait to see where it goes the rest of the way. As always, you can reach us on at Twitter at DFA underscore pod at Rob Wong three, four and at J Goldberg 12. Please rate review, subscribe to pod wherever you get your podcasts. That'll do it for this week on another edition of the DFA pod. We'll talk to you in a week's time.